Okay, so we need to talk about crossovers this episode. Say no more, I've got just the thing. Dark Horse Comics did a crossover with all of their Star Wars properties back when they held the copyright. But that's not- Trust me, you do not want to finish that sentence. But there's four different eras of the same continuity. Where would we even find those stories? Oh, that's easy. Don't think about it too much. Okay, I guess we're doing this now. Comics are weird, and it's almost impossible to figure out where to start. That's why we're here to explain what happens and why the writers made those decisions. I'm Garrett, the What Clinkerman, and I'll be explaining what happens in each comic going recover, what works, and what doesn't. I'm Cadley the Y Harmon, and I'll be breaking down why the writers made certain decisions, why each comic matters, and the impact each comic made. Together, we are What and Why Comics. And welcome back to episode 3 of What and Why Comics, and today we are talking about the Star Wars Vector Comics. And Cadley, what did you make me read? Okay, so the Star Wars Vector crossover event was a crossover between all of the Star Wars comics that Dark Horse Comics was making at the time. It featured Knights of the Old Republic, then skipping 4,000 years, it goes to the Dark Times comics run. And the Dark Times comics run takes place roughly after Order 66 to Rebellion, which features the main cast, Luke, Han, Chewie, Leia. And then you get a massive time skip 140 years after Episode 4 into the Legacy comics. Okay, so you gave me two books to go over, and so the first one starts with In a War... And we meet a character named Celeste Morn, who is like a covert op Jedi who is searching for a artifact called the Mur Talisman. But the talisman is already founded by a Mandalorian scientist named Pulsifer, and he accidentally releases a zombie-type disease. And he uses the talisman to control and turn people into these monsters called Rackles. Now, I say zombie-type disease because that's how I pretty much see it. If you either get bitten or scratched by a rack, you would become it. I mean, you're not wrong, but the obligatory zombie episode is going to come a lot later. You're right. So anyways, she eventually finds Zane and his partner, Griff, along her journey. And together, they join forces to get the talisman. Once they do, Celeste wears it around her neck. And what she finds out is that a Sith Lord has kind of taken over it. It's more like a Sith ghost has control over it, and his name is Karnas Mur, and he tries to take over Celeste's body. And when he does, he's kind of goes on a rampage, killing a bunch of people, but Celeste kind of stops herself, and she puts herself in a stasis pod. But before she does, Zane tells her that he will find a cure for her and then set her free. And so she puts in a stasis pod, and they leave the planet. But the planet is attacked and rubble blocks the entrance pretty much to the pod. And so there's like no way to get it. And that's how the first part ends. The second one starts up with 400 years has passed and Darth Vader and the Emperor has found Celeste's pod. And it's at this point where Vader is looking for an apprentice to kill his master. And this kind of reminded me of like the old Force Unleashed video games where you play as Vader's apprentice, kept in secret from the Emperor. Yeah, my personal theory is that this was almost a prequel to Force Unleashed just because they leaned so heavily in Vader looking for an apprentice. Yeah. And so when they open the pod, gets up, 
She doesn't see Zane, and Carnage kind of takes control of her body. He senses Vader's, like, powerful, dark energy. So he tries to, you know, attach to become one of him. But of course, you know, they fight pretty much, and Celeste turns his men into Rackles, and then Vader just leaves to hopefully assume that she will die eventually. And it's not until after the destruction of the Death Star, Vader learns that she is still alive, but then decides to have a plan. He's going to let Celeste and the Rebels fight each other, and hopefully either one of them would kill each other, or they both kill each other. Either way, it's a played off of Vader's plan. And that's the one thing I thought funny, was like Vader was like I have an idea I'm gonna let this happen and just watch yeah honestly that's the best description of that issue because Vader's like I have this person I don't like and I have these people I don't like if I pit them against each other one of those problems might solve itself so he's kind of right Celeste does meet up with the rebel she runs into Luke and Leia and Karnas senses the power of Luke and Leia and sense how they're really powerful so he tries taking over their body but of course Celeste doesn't let that happen because it's her responsibility it's her burden to pay so she kind of just wants to be left alone so she doesn't hurt anyone so she goes up to a Star Destroyer and turns all the passengers and the crew into Rackles and she controls them since she now has the ability to and she flies up into the deep core of the galaxy to isolate. Now time skip to about 140 years Celeste is eventually founded by a group led by Kate Skywalker and Kate is an interesting character to me. So he is a former Jedi, he's a descendant of Luke and he has the ability to kind of heal himself with the force which is nothing new to anyone who watches the film that the force can heal kind of all wounds. So Cade can heal himself from the Rakul virus pretty much. And it's because of this that Celeste and him kind of make a temporary alliance to kill a Sith Lord called Darth Crate. And I'll let you go on your tangent on Darth Crate after we get done with the explanation. Okay. So Kraid learns of this and tries to get the talisman to cure himself because he's like a disease ill man. So he sends out a man named Emperor Fell who learns about this and orders his Imperial Knights to seize the talisman. But it's for himself and not for Kraid. So a big battle happens. Celeste almost kills Kraid, but Kate stops her and Kate. Mercy kills her, and the talisman now gets on to Cade, but he uses a force ability called Shadow Point to destroy the relic, and both Celeste's corp, the talisman, and the Rackle is basically turned to dust because they're like thousands of years old, mixed in with like Sith magic, pretty much. Yeah, I try to not think about that too hard. And that's pretty much how the issue ends. Now that I'm done with my rant and the summary, I'll let you go on your rant, Catley. Okay. So to add some context to everything that happens in Vector, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was about Zane Carrick, and the whole thing about him is he is the most unlucky and most inept Jedi basically ever, and it's great. In his comic, he is framed for killing his classmates because it turns out he and his classmates, Jedi Masters, were members of a secret covenant known as the Dre Trust, and they were mostly all seers who would look into the future to try to find out when the next rise of the Sith was going to happen. They get a vision that they assume means that one of their Padawans is going to become a Sith Lord. So they come up with the only logical conclusion and decide to hold a fake graduation ceremony where all of the Padawans get knighted and they kill all of their students. They pulled an Anakin Skywalker killing the youngling scenes. Not just the men, but the women and children <laughs> too. <laughs> But Zane Carrick is terrible, and so everyone in this academy kind of has a, wait, 
Zane's passing too. What? And then, due to circumstances where he's trying to catch the petty criminal Griff, he ends up being late to the ceremony. You get this amazing panel where he bursts into the room going, Hey guys, sorry I'm late. And it's just all of the Jedi Masters standing over the corpses of the other Padawans with their lightsabers activated. And he turns tail and runs, and the rest of the series is basically him running away from the Republic during the Mandalorian Wars, trying to clear his name. Dark Times takes place shortly after Order 66, and it revolves around a former Jedi and a former Separatist working together as part of a crew of a ship to just kind of try to survive in the Empire. Although, Dark Times also did an interesting job of showing how Imperial propaganda worked to make Vader look like a hero. Rebellion kind of flopped. I don't know much about it other than it featured the main cast of the original trilogy shortly after episode four, and the Vector Comics event crossover was the last issue of Rebellion before it was canceled. And then we get to Legacy, which is just... I love it and hate it at the same time because it's such a mess, but it is a brilliant mess. So over the course of after episode six, the Rebellion becomes the New Republic. The New Republic gets reconfigured into the Galactic Alliance. A few years later, the Galactic Alliance gets rearranged into a new empire featuring a triumvirate of leaders with an emperor who is a descendant of Jagged Fell who ended up marrying Jaina Solo, who's like one of Han and Leia's kids. And so Emperor Fell led the empire, but a group called the One Sith, who were basically a cult of Sith, that broke Darth Bane's rule of two, ended up staging a coup and taking control. The deal with the Imperial Knights was they served under Emperor Fell as bodyguards, soldiers, and an interesting thing was if the Emperor ever fell to the dark side, they would kill him. But didn't he already turn to the dark side? Uh, no, because Emperor Fell is nothing like Emperor Palpatine. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I said, Legacy got weird. But then, things get even weirder when you think about the main villain, Darth Krayt. So, Darth Krayt has survived for over 200 years because he grew up as a Tusken Raider on Tatooine. The Jedi found him, made him a Padawan. He was a Padawan during Order 66. He escaped Order 66 and survived. He ran back to Tatooine in order to stage a rebellion using Tusken Raiders. He ran into Obi-Wan, who was trying to protect Luke at the time. He fought Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan kicked him off of the planet. He ran to the homeworld of the Sith called Korriban and found a Sith holocron and studied the dark side. Then he left for the unknown regions because he knew that Darth Vader and the Emperor would be looking for him. He got captured by the Yuuzhan Vong. That's a long story. We'll cover that in a later episode. He escaped he is Vong after they experiment on him, and these experiments gave him some powers like lightsaber resistance, but also a chronic condition that's eventually going to kill him. He goes back to Korriban, runs into the force ghosts of Darth Bane, Darth Nihilus, and one other Sith. The ghost of Darth Nihilus makes his condition worse. He then decides to break the rule of two to form his own group of Sith, and so from that point on, 
he's kind of just hiding and gaining followers. At some point, I think he teams up with Luke Skywalker to take down a basically Star Wars version of Cthulhu named Abeloth. And then he just goes underground for more years until he stages his coup in the Legacy comic. He is such a Mary Sue, and it is amazing, and just Star Wars gets weird sometimes. <laughs> But besides that, there was some stuff that I did like about it when I read it. So the first thing I liked about it was how it didn't have any like connections between the other previous stories. Like there wasn't a major connection to any of the main characters. Like I really liked Celeste as a character. I thought it was a cool idea to kind of like introduce like almost a special ops type Jedi that kind of does like stealth missions pretty much. There's a funny thing on that. So, first of all, unlike the Disney trilogy, Star Wars Legends and especially Dark Horse comics actually cared about their continuity. And in a note that's in one of the issues of the comics that I have, there's a note from the author that says, we wrote this because crossovers make money and we wanted to make a crossover. And I found another quote where they said it was less of a crossover and more of a crossing through. But it started as, hey, how do we have all of these stories interact with each other, but also maintain it in a way that continuity stays consistent? Yeah. And I did enjoy the story reading it pretty much. Like, I was attached to some of these characters. I wanted to know what was going to happen in the next page as soon as I read it. And that was pretty much interesting because I have never read these type of Star Wars comics. Like, I've only watched the movies and the TV series, so I never really had a full experience with this like you have. And that's, you know, I feel kind of happy that you kind of showed me this pretty much. So thank you. I like sharing these. But now I may be breaking your heart a little bit when I say what I hate about it. But the first thing I kind of thought that I didn't understand was that, is there a limit to the Force with its abilities now? Because I understand that the Force can grab objects, can mind control people, can force choke, and can possibly see into the future, and can heal people. I get that. But... When it comes to, like, I didn't understand what Shadow Point was, and when it comes to stuff like, especially in the last Star Wars movie where Rey has a lightsaber, and she, like, teleports it all the way to Ben Solo, who's in a completely different room, which makes me wonder what the Force can't and cannot do. Yeah, so the whole teleport thing didn't exist in Legends. Interesting thing on powers that did exist in Legends, obviously Force Heal, and that power where Rey picks up the dagger and says terrible things were done with this blade. There was a Jedi named Quinlan Voss who had the power to touch things and tell what people had interacted with with that object, which making him an amazing tracker almost to the point where he was almost like a Jedi version of Wolverine. And Shatterpoint lets a Jedi look at an object and see the flaws in it so that then they know the one spot they can hit to make it break. That said, in Legends, the Force couldn't fix dead. That was pretty much the only... Like, you couldn't, like, trade life forces with each other, pretty much. It's how they did in, in the movies. Yeah, no, that wasn't a thing. Why does my mind go... When you mentioned Quinlan Voss was, like, a, Wolver a Jedi version of Wolverine, why am I imagining his claws, like, as lightsabers that comes out? Oh, no, that's a different character. That's, I think his name's Lord Nyax. He showed up in, like, one book. And I'm not kidding. They basically copied Weapon X's origin story and then gave him lightsabers as claws. It was the weirdest thing. I'm going to find an image and put a link to it in the description for you for that because it was just so weird. So 
I would say the last thing that I kind of didn't like about it, because like I said, I didn't like how the whole force thing, I didn't know like if there was like a limit pretty much. The last thing I, I didn't kind of like about it was like, it's just some of the art style was pretty weird. Now, it does a great job with kind of giving me some other panels where the artwork is amazing and I thought it looks cool because I think you know the scene I'm talking about but there's a scene where it's like Luke, Cade, Zane, and Vader all in one and the artwork looks amazing. Oh yeah, okay. So the reason why the artwork was so bad in the Knights of the Old Republic issue, I don't know why, but they changed art styles. The interesting thing is if you try to buy these comics now, the best way is in a digital copy in one of three omnibuses. And the second omnibus has the vector event and just that entire omnibus has a different art style from the other two and it's just worse. But in the vector event with Knights of the Old Republic, there is a panel where the Dre Trust is having a vision of rat ghouls just swarming the galaxy and they have this oh no is this happening now or in the future or when and Zane Carrick pops up in the vision saying oh it's happening here then Vader says and here and then Luke says and here and then Cade shows up and says and here too kind of makes it complicated doesn't it and as a Star Wars fan who grew up with some of these comics, that panel was just the ultimate fan service. Like, it was great. And I'm kind of glad that you kind of share that with me pretty much. So, And that's what I'm hoping to do when it comes to, like, when I talk about Japanese manga, which is, you know, actually, which is coming up as in the next episode. So I think that's pretty much all, right? There's nothing else we need to talk about for today, right? Yeah. So join us next time when we talk about Full Metal Alchemist on yes. what? And why? Comics.